Hey, welcome back again, everyone, for another episode of the Falconry Told Podcast and what is now the fourth episode in our series featuring falconers from Mexico. And, of course, I have to give a quick shout-out to the North American Falconers Association and the Falconry Fund, whose small grants program help make projects like this possible. If you want more information on either organization or want to donate or become a member, just head to n a f a.com for the North American Falconers Association and falconryfund.org for the Falconry Fund. I'd also like to extend a personal thank you to you all for helping us achieve yet another milestone for the podcast. We recently achieved 150,000 downloads for the podcast. I think we actually passed it up an episode or two ago, but I wanted to go ahead and extend a, a very big thank you to you all for that. We continue to be very humbled and and very appreciative of everyone's continued support who listens and for all of you around the world who continue to do so thank you again so much and i hope you continue to stick with us it's been a great five years and hopefully we'll be able to bring you many many more and this episode is another first milestone for the podcast as well because this will be the first episode that we bring you all that involves live translating and I knew we would run into this eventually, especially with the continued goal of doing more international podcasts with different Falconers from around the world. But I thought for a first attempt, this turned out pretty well. This will be something that we just kind of continue to try and refine and and uh, make better with the process as we continue to encounter it. But overall, Leo had a lot of very cool information to share, especially some different techniques that he uses with Cooper's Hawks that I think you all will find pretty interesting. I I know I did. So I hope you all enjoy it and we'll just kind of see how this continues to go in the future with these. We had one more episode in this series that we did with translation as well, and I thought it went pretty well too. But anyway, I hope you all enjoy it and I'll be interested to see your feedback and hear what you all think about it. And the other disclaimer I'll go ahead and give, too, is that this is the part of the week that I started developing a pretty nasty sinus infection. Whatever allergens were down there that I wasn't used to were definitely starting to uh, take their toll on me <laughs> about this time of the week. So from here on out, the rest of the episodes, I'm, I'm kind of stuffy, but uh, I hope you all will forgive that. I did the best I could to, to kind of drug up and power through the rest of the week and, and get through these. So anyway, please forgive me for that. But anyway, I will go ahead and turn things over now to the conversation that we had with uh, Leo Santana, and I hope you all enjoy it. Here we go. Well, like I said, this is going to be interesting. This is a new and uncharted territory for the podcast. This is the first episode that we've done with uh, live in-person translation. And um, yeah, we're just going to see how this goes and I'm sure it'll be fine. But uh, thank you, Eduardo, for agreeing to translate. My pleasure, my man. Yep. And uh, it's good practice for you since you're going to be the next guinea pig tomorrow. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway... I guess we should uh, go ahead and just start off by talking about uh, the flight that we just saw. Okay, I'm going to translate just this. Uh, sure. Vamos a platicar del vuelo que hiciste ahorita acá abajo. Este, this is my friend, good friend Leonardo uh, Santana. He's from Morelia, Michoacán, and uh, he's a master falconer here and also a very good friend of mine and uh, someone I, re- I really respect. So... Um, it's interesting to have someone talk about his falconry now and his experiences uh, flying hawks and falcons and all. Uh, so I'm going to let him t- talk and then I'll translate. Sure. Bueno, comenzamos en, en una charca donde pensamos cazar unos patos. Traemos una hembra de peregrino en atum. Soltamos, se colocó más o menos 250 metros ya que tenía una altura que nosotros consideramos que estaba lista para cazar, salió una ralea y des, 
desgraciadamente perdió altura y se salieron los patos de la charca en su primer intento. So first of all, we were gonna try on on some dogs and in this pond that uh, it seemed perfect, but uh, uh, when when the, the the falcon hit the roof of 250 meters, um, someone flew something that wasn't intended, and uh, I think it was a dove or something, and then the the falcon chased after and missed on the ducks. So. Um, Uh, after that, uh, say, uh, first flight, uh, we moved to a different pond and uh, tried some some other ducks. And Leonardo is going to talk more about this. Seguimos con la rutina. La pájara siguió tomando altura. Decidimos cambiarnos de campo de vuelo. Estaba otra charca aproximadamente a unos 500 metros. En lo que llegamos nosotros a la charca, la pájara ya traía suficiente altura, traía 500 metros de sobre nosotros. Hicimos el, el llamado, se coloca, se levantan bastante patos. Yo vi alrededor de unos 200, 300 patos y hace una excelente picada a 216 por hora. So, the, uh, right after that, we, we had to take the car and move to another pond, uh, as I said. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he called the, the, the falcon uh, in order to get ready for it. And she, she had a much more uh, altitude to get uh, a, a better uh, shot at the ducks. And then when we, we got into the pond and flew the ducks, uh, she was already uh, set and perfect. And uh, we, we calculated, we, there, there were like probably 200 to 300 ducks flying off. And uh, right after that, uh, she, she made a, a nice slip, um, the, the GPS, uh, recorded 216 kilometers uh, stoop and that was that was a great hunt on a Mexican duck. Sí, una excelente cacería de pato mexicano. Cuando llegamos tenía un halcón de cola roja a un lado que fue una cosa que pensamos que era peligro. Por fortuna alcanzamos a llegar y no hubo más. Yeah, but when Leo uh, came in to pick up the, the, the falcon and the duck, there was a, this red tail like, uh, like two meters off, uh, and uh, mm. it was a bit scary, but uh, after that it was all fine when it flew off and we had no more danger in, in, in the vicinity. Good, good. Yeah, no, it's, it's bad news. I know red tails are every bit as bad as eagles and, and you know, other things like that for falcons, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm glad that nothing bad happened, but um, so on average, what... Um, What pitch or what altitude do you prefer before you, you know, get the ducks up for a de hoy. off the pond? Sí, que, que, ¿cuál es la, la altura que prefieres tú para, para cazar más o menos? Eh, en... Lo prefiero dependiendo del terreno. La, la verdad, la altura de hoy eh, tenía la siguiente charca, la tenía más de 800 metros, entonces daba perfecto para eso más altura. Eh, dependiendo si hay charcas más cerca es la altura que le damos al al ave. It really depends on on where you when where are you flying and the and what are you flying for. So um, in this particular case, he he said uh, he would like. I mean the 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 altitude he ha he had it was just fine. Probably a little higher because there there was enough space for the for the whole thing. And but um, yeah, it worked perfectly. And uh, but yeah, it really depends on the. Uh, where you're flying and, and what are you flying for? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I know that you know, when there's much, when there's a lot more wide open spaces, then higher altitudes are fine because, you know, there's not another pond for the ducks to, to fly into and all that. I just, I didn't know if um, you were the type of falconer that no matter what, you just always prefer to have a super high, you know, pitch or if you're fine with lower pitches also or because... There's some falconers that will not serve their falcon if it's under certain a certain a certain pitch, and I didn't know what your your preference was. Or sí. uh, bueno, la, la pregunta está dirigida para ver si eras eh, purista en, cier en cierto sentido o, o la, la intención era saber si si eh, tenías la, la la apertura normalmente como para decidir en el, en el vuelo si necesitaba muchísimo muchísima altura o no dice que eh, John que hay muchos halconeros que 
no haría ningún tipo de, de lance si, si, si el halcón no estuviera a una altura correcta o, o incluso muy arriba. O sea, que, que hay gente que no que no disfruta otro tipo, otro tipo de vuelo eh, y que era realmente dirigida para, para saber cómo era tu preferencia a la hora de cazar con la peregrina, ¿no? Ok. Yo normalmente esa peregrina la vuelo temprano, 9 de la mañana, entonces le cuesta un poquito más tomar techos. Son techos de 200, 250 metros eh, y no cazamos en charcas, cazamos en canales, entonces... Si tienes un poco más de techo, ya no alcanzas a, a hacer que el pato salga del, del, del sobre del canal para que el halcón llegue a, a remeter sobre de él. Uh, he's, uh, Leo said that um, he normally uh, hunts uh, at very early, well, not very early, but at 9 a.m. in the morning, so it, she, she won't climb up so high uh, since there's no thermals or, and... Um, and And another particular thing is that he's uh, regularly, regularly hunting in um, the ditches. And uh, he's not, uh, well, he's, he's hunting in some ponds, but where he uh, hunts the most is in ditches. And he cannot have the, the falcon having great altitude because otherwise he wouldn't have a shot to get anything. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I just, you know, some, some falconers, as we've talked about before, I think we were talking about this some the other night too, but... You know, some falconers just don't want to serve their birds under a certain altitude because they think it they, they won't go up to higher altitudes, you know, after that. And um, they have a tendency to get lazier, so to speak, and, and whatever. But I didn't know if um, you had experienced that uh, or not. Or, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm just curious. Every, every long winger has different opinions on that kind of stuff. So. Sí. Eh, la, igual... Me, me comenta John que si, o sea, que, es que hay gente que no le va a producir al pájaro si no lo tiene a cierta altitud, porque puede pensar que el pájaro se va a volver flojo o que ya no va a querer volar eh, después a, a altitudes mayores. Entonces, que prefieren siempre dejar que se eleven para, para hacer así. Pero, o sea, quería de nuevo eh, clarificar la preferencia de, en tu caso, ¿no? Pero la, la, la idea principal es, es ver. ¿Qué tanto estás tú como muy casado? casado con el... la... Ajá. No, la verdad es que no. Dependiendo de la hora, sabes que el halcón se va a poder subir o no. El terreno también lo manda mucho. El peso del ave. Uh -huh. O sea, si vas a una charca y traes el peso, el peso un poquito más justo a donde está volando, pues el, el pájaro siempre va a estar muy atento, no va a querer subir tanto que si sabes que vas a un terreno donde ocupas que el halcón vuele un poco más, pues igual lo llevas un poquito más arriba de peso, ¿no? Para que esté un poquito más suelto. Uh, yeah, no mainly tengo. he's, he's, he's uh, mentioning about the the, the actual uh, mindset of the of the falcon. Like he 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 plays with it uh, in different ways. It, uh, it it depends on the hour and the and the place. And uh, probably he he'll have in, uh, have her uh, fly a little higher in, in weight uh, in order to, for her to be more loose and get more more. Uh, More high, more altitude. I mean, and um, and it really depends when when she's really, uh, you know, in like a yarak uh, state or something. And she she'll be more attentive and uh, she'll have a, a better manners when flying. And that. it really depends on on the situation and the, the actual uh, hunt uh, at the, the at that particular moment. So uh, yeah, he has no like. Uh, no set limits or yeah, anything. Yeah, not set limits yeah. or, or, or regular preference. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's good to know. I mean, like I said, every, everybody seems to have different uh, things that they will or will not do and, you know, whatever. And, yeah, I mean, I circumstances always dictate what you're going to do. You know, like, like you said, time of day, temperature, you know, um, uh, weight, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I understand all that. So, oh, it makes sense. But... So, uh, where, where did you say you were from again? I'm sorry, I missed that earlier. ¿De, de dónde eres? Soy de Morelia, Michoacán, México. Okay. Well, about where is that in comparison um, to here? It's, it's central Mexico. It's um, west of um, Mexico City, like 300, 300, 300 kilometers away from Mexico City to the west. Um, it's a very beautiful state. Uh, lots of water. That, that's where the... Most of your avocados come from. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah. And um, it, it's a 
beautiful place to live and to and for flying. Nice, nice. So, I mean, have you lived there pretty much your whole life? ¿Has vivido toda tu vida en Minimorilia? Eh, estuve algunos años viviendo en, en el norte del país, en Sinaloa. Sinaloa, México, haciendo igual se traía. Yeah, he, he was living in, in northern Mexico, well, in Sinaloa, in Mochis. And he, he was doing falconry there in the, as well. And how, ¿Cuánto tiempo? Cinco años. He was there for five years and yeah, he was flying there and enjoying life. Gotcha. So you've just really only lived there for, um, you know, within the last handful of years then or... or uh, In Morelia? Yeah, like uh, where, where he's at now. No, he was born and raised there. Oh, born and raised, okay. Yeah, and then he moved in, uh, into Sinaloa. And, gotcha, uh, yeah. okay, mm -hmm. I gotcha. Okay, yeah, well, and you've pretty much only um, flown long wings there? Have you flown Solo much of? alto vuelo? No, no, no. El, el alto vuelo lo tengo volando... Cerca de unos 15 años, pero lo fuerte mío, a mí me gusta mucho eh, la cacería de calornices con perro de muestra. Eso es lo que más disfruto yo. Yeah, but he's been flying long wings for the past 15 years, but uh, what he enjoys the most is, uh, is quail hunting with uh, uh, pointing dubs. Okay. Mm -hmm. that's, that's his, his uh, like the one he likes the most. Gotcha. Okay. And with, uh, I mean, with a different species or... Sí, con, with... algo, con uh, aves diferentes, ¿no? Con aves diferentes. Sí, hemos volado, comenzamos volando Harris, a los, después seguimos con los Cooper, eh, Alcón Aplomado, y actualmente estamos cazando con Azor. Con so, so Cooper's, he's... Harris, and Aplomados. Y, yeah, but, that was Harris, Cooper's, Aplomados, and now Goshawks. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, great. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I didn't know um, I was I I didn't know where that was, let alone what kind of terrain they had around there, what kind of game other than than ducks. So, yeah, I mean, is there uh, any other things throughout your uh, time as a falconer that you've really enjoyed hunting as well, or has it pretty much always been mostly that? Hay that alguna otra cacería que hayas disfrutado mucho antes, o sea, que antes de, de clavarte con las codornices y Casé por muchos años conejos, liebres, con los Harris. Eh, diez años, tal vez. Yeah, basically, when he was flying Harris Hawks, he would hunt for ponies and jackrabbits and uh, for, for about ten years. And, uh, like, that was his, his main query at that time, uh, particularly with Harris Hawks. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, it seems like everybody goes through at least one Harris Hawk phase. I mean, there's people that I know that that don't, <laughs> that haven't, but and, and won't probably ever. Sí. But but um, but it seems like that's one of the birds that that all of you in, in Mexico here end up going through at some point in time sí. or another. But, but, Parece que todo mundo pasa por algún Harris en sí, alguna sí, etapa sí. y sobre todo aquí en México, ¿no? Entonces sí creo que es algo que que la mayoría de nosotros hemos iniciamos, ajá, ¿no? iniciado y, y disfrutado. Claro, yo volé un halcón con la roja antes de cazar con regular con, con los Harris. Sí llegamos a cazar, pero no tanto. Mm. Lo que me encantaba eran los techos que tomaba, y los pocos lances que se hacían así, y es lo que disfrutaba. Pero efectivamente no era una cacería tan constante como con un Harris. En la eso, verdad. eso fue antes de los Harris. Antes de los Harris. Y he, he, uh, he started off with a with a red tail before. Uh... Red tail hawk before um, hunting with the Harris hawks, and he's, he he really enjoyed uh, having them, uh, you know, like go up and catch some sore sore hawks. Sore up, yeah, and yeah. Um, uh, and that it, it, he wasn't that successful, but he would hunt with uh, with a with a red tail like that, and uh, he really enjoyed it. And right after, he was more successful with the Harris hawks. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people out west, particularly like you know California and and uh, you know other western states in the in the U.S. that have a lot of fun sore hawking red tails and stuff too on jackrabbits and bunnies and things. So. Yeah, we get the videos though. Yeah, así que en California los vuelan mucho así, los disfrutan altaneando y y que cazan de esa manera. I think that was that was mainly why he did lo hiciste por eso no porque o sea o tú lo, lo, lo llegué a hacer después de ver un video justamente de la California Hawking que así uh -huh. los volaban un yeah. aniversario de, de so, un videito there was some influence out of uh, some of those videos that we, we got when we were young and, uh, and uh, basically he, he tried it here and, and really enjoyed it Good. you guys certainly have the win for it here 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. sí hay el viento para hacerlo. Sí. And hilly places. Sure. Sí. Yeah. Lugares así para hacerlo. Exacto. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you said you started off with pr pretty much with a red tail. And I guess this would be a good time to go ahead and just uh, talk about how uh, you got interested in falconry and, um, you know, kind of your, your backstory and, uh, and, you know, how the, how the bug bit you, so to speak. Que, bueno, básicamente empezaste con el cola roja y que es buen momento para que nos platiques eh, cómo es que te interesaste por la cetrería y, y qué fue lo que te que te atrajo a, a volar halcones. El primer contacto que yo tuve con las aves rapaces, eh, fui muy chico, vivía a unas cuadras de, del zoológico de Morelia. Entonces mi madre me llevaba todos los días en las tardes a pasear, a cansarnos, para pues, pasar la noche, ¿no? Para no dar lata. ¿Sabes Entonces, a qué edad, más o menos? Desde los 5 años hasta los 10, 11. Ok. Cuando era muy joven, He lived by a, lived by a, a, a zoo in, in Morelia, and basically uh, his mother would would take him to that place to you know round around and get tired and come back and 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 have a good night's sleep and um, so he, that was his first contact contact with raptors and uh, some sort of a cage bird and uh, he developed some interest uh, interest in seeing them in the zoo. Y después, después. Eh, hice mi servicio de la escuela ahí en el zoológico Morelia y precisamente entré al departamento de aves. Later on, when he was studying, he he did some service work and volunteering there at at the zoo, and it was uh, uh, exactly where the raptors were and in that particular area of the zoo, and uh, he started having more uh, interactions with them. Sí, ahí empecé con el contacto con las aves rapaces y ahí conocí un poco del manejo. Eh, yo ya era cazador. Empecé a leer un poco sobre la cetrería y empecé a combinar el manejo de las aves rapaces con lo que yo sabía un poco del, del campo, ¿no? Para tener la efectividad que, que tenían ya los pájaros. Well, at, at that time he was already a hunter. I mean, con escopeta. Sí. He was already a, a, like, a, like a regular hunter with shotgun and all. And um, so he was already interested in the, in the outdoors and hunting. And um, with all that contact with the, the birds and, and, and his service, Um, he would start reading about falconry and uh, yeah, that one thing led to another and then he got like the, the sickness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, and, and uh, about how old were you during that time? Whenever you... Ahí tenía 19 años. 19 years old. 19 years old. 19 años. En el 2001. 2001. Yeah. Yeah, I um, there's lots of times where I wish that I I maybe would have found out about this or discovered this when I was younger, but you know I've I've had this conversation with people many times also. I I, I don't think that I would have been able to uh, do it though because of my living situations, my schooling schedule, and everything else. But so I mean during during uh, your time during your late teens, you know, uh, 19 years old. I mean, were, were you pretty much doing other things or, or not much doing, not doing much other things that allowed you to have the time to dedicate, to, to learn and, and to hunt with, with the Raptors or. Um, well, dice John que a él le hubiera gustado también tener un, un, un contacto previo, eh, mucho más joven, eh, pero que pues por su manera de, de o situación de vida en ese momento no, 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 no era del todo viable y posible, pero que, pues, que considera que de, tú, al, 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 previo a tus 20, o sea, en, esos, en esa adolescencia tardía, eh, que hayas tenido eso, que, que tuvieras ese tiempo y esa, esa, esa facilidad de, de, de interacción con, con las aves, eh, que, bueno, pues puedes, que puede haber sido algo que, que hubiera sido benéfico y prolífico para, para tu cetrería. Sí, claro, la verdad que siempre con el apoyo de la familia... Eh, pues era un poco más fácil, ¿no? Si salía un libro o algo, lo podíamos conseguir de cierta manera y después vino a revolucionar todo esto, pues los medios, ¿no? El internet. Yeah, yeah. he was he's saying that basically it was perfect uh, for him doing it at that time because he had all this support from his family and whenever uh, a book will come out or yeah, he was able to uh, get his hand on, hands on it and um, 
yeah, he had all the support and the time um, that he needed to like develop as a falconer and uh, enjoy this uh, wonderful sport. And great, great. Well, and as far as, uh, I mean, how much time then kind of went by before you went from, you know, flying the that first red tail to, you know, the Harris hawks and, and the other species then about about how, how long did it take you to, you know, discover flying those other species or decide that you wanted to. Sí, después de volar el cola roja y, y cómo, o sea, cómo nos puedes platicar cómo fue, cómo, o sea, el, como un, una línea de tiempo de cómo fuiste pasando de especies y cómo fuiste decidiendo volar una cosa o la otra eh, y, y, y cómo fue esa experiencia. Ok, eh, volé el, primero el, el cola roja del 98 al 2002. So he flew that red tail from 98 till 2002 and then uh -huh. Desde 2002 so from 2002 and, and until 2008 he, he flew just one female harris hawk and um later no después después de esa empezó volando los cooper gavilanes de cooper hasta el, hace tres años atrás volé in, interrumpidamente los gavilanes. So after that he he jumped into Cooper's Hawk and uh, he never stopped until three years ago when he he started with the Gauss Hawks. Uh, but yeah, he he would enjoy uh, flying regularly uh, Cooper's Hawks and yeah, uh, codorniz, a codorniz, on quail. So um, our, our our mutual friend Eduardo here and and I have had a a conversation the last couple nights about. Which is the, the, the bird that's better suited, you think, to, to fly quail? And, uh, and we're, trying to, we're trying to convince him to, uh, to fly either a, a smaller male goshawk or a cooper's hawk on, uh, on the quail. And uh, what, what do you think? What, which would you prefer to, to fly on, on, the, on the quail? Que nuestro amigo mutuo, o sea, yo, <laughs> eh, tuvimos una conversación el otro día de, de, de cuál sería un pájaro más adecuado para volar a Codorniz. Entonces queríamos saber tu opinión. Sí, eh, el azoro, el... No, no, que cuál, ¿cuál, cuál para... Para, para ti es el, el pájaro estrella para volar Codorniz. Sin duda el Cooper Hawk. Yeah. I was going to say, don't be, don't be skewing this. Don't, oh, don't, no, don't no, be. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> no, 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 I was saying that, exactly what you said, that you were recommending, uh, él me recomendaba que volar otra cosa, ¿no? O sea, como estoy volando la hembra de azor a las, a las codornizas. No, las cazan también muy bien, pero sí es diferente, porque entran a la herida y el Cooper no deja nada, ¿no? O sea, abajo yeah. es mucho más rápido que cualquier yeah, otra Basically, the Cooper's socket is, is the star of the, of the, of the quail uh, world sí. and the hunting. Yeah. Uh, but he says it can be done with a female goshawk. Oh, no, sure. <laughs> sure, it can. 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 Right after anything, anything that's uh, that's running or whatever, and um, when when a Cooper's hawk leaves, uh, you won't feel all that much. Yeah. But uh, I mean, in in terms of success, he says Cooper's hawks are way better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I um, I I think the uh, feeling that launch off the the glove and that initial burst of speed is a big reason why people that fly goshawks get addicted to them. And I'm sure that you could probably attest to that to some degree. I mean, a little bit, but... Sí, que esa, esa, esa sensación de poder y de arranque y de, de velocidad, que es lo que realmente te cautiva y que te atrapa en, right. en, a la hora de volar un azor y que es lo que gran parte de los azoreros eh, pues experimentan y, y los engancha a, a volarlos. ¿no? Sí, sí, sí. Más que nada eso. La verdad que yo sé las cualidades que tiene uno y el otro y para la coder no hay mejor que un Cooper. Yeah. Well, he agrees uh, totally on the on the burst <laughs> and the and the power, but uh, yeah, he he will have to say, a Cooper Hawk, Cooper's Hawk is is way better at quail hunting. Yeah, well, and I've I've flown neither a quail. I I I don't have quail where I live. I don't hunt quail. I've just gone by what I've seen and heard from other friends of mine um, that do fly quail pretty 
you know, regularly and stuff. And, and, and Eduardo and I were having a, a fun little uh, debate last night about it and stuff and uh, over, over some more alcohol. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, no, I mean, that's, that's great though. I, um, I, so um, as far as the, uh, the experience with Cooper's Hawks, did you, um, did you ever have much trouble with the, um, with the manning process or did you um, get one as a, as a passage or a, or imprint or um, I, I'm always, I always like talking to people about their Cooper's Hawks experience. Cause that's another whole other can of worms there too. But bueno, que, primero que nada, que, que, que entiende perfecto esto que estamos platicando el azor que ayer justamente al calor de unos tragos tuvimos esa discusión muy, muy amena y que que, que bueno, que le interesaría saber mucho eh, cómo ha sido tu, tu experiencia improntando Coopers. Ok. Eh, bueno, empezamos con, como en los libros, el McDermott. Eh, fue algo de ayuda. Después hicimos durante varios años eh, una, una, ¿cómo te explico? Una doble impronta. Eh, bajábamos al, 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 al polluelo del árbol, lo teníamos una mañana con nosotros, en la tarde lo subíamos al nido, la mamá le daba de comer, a veces dormía con nosotros, lo volvíamos a subir al día siguiente eh, y la verdad es que sí veíamos una diferencia en, en el carácter del, del ave, ¿no? Menos agresiva, se cuidaba un poquito más las plumas, eran aves que no teníamos que usar ni siquiera el protector de cola porque eran tan tranquilos y sabían pararse muy bien que no, no había la necesidad de, de estarlos cuidando tanto la verdad uh, yeah he basically uses McDermott's uh, method and uh, he read the book and that was his first in, uh, manning process uh, like following that guideline uh, that, that that's worked for many of us and uh, but yeah later on he he tried something uh, different Uh, using that method, but uh, he would climb up uh, a tree and take a, you know, the chick, mm -hmm. and he will have him for an afternoon, and then he'll put it back, and then again uh, bring it back in the morning, and then and so so forth, and and uh, maybe have it for a night, and then really? bring it back, and then yeah. So he he was saying that uh, that's the, the the best he's done because uh, those birds would actually take way more more better care of their uh, feathers and. Their manners and they, they will stand differently and um, probably have uh, different uh, behavior much better than a, than a, than a complete imprint. Uh, so he, he says it's like a double imprint uh -huh, like, thing. Yeah. And, uh, but it's not like a tame hack because the parents are, oh, I mean, they're feeding them still and uh, he'll climb and, uh, up and down like on a regular basis and put it back and then bring it bring it down and uh, socialize with the dogs and all so that's that's the best he's done y que si alguna vez volaste algún pasajero sí también uh, he, he has flown uh, passage coopers as well yeah, yeah. bien muy buenos para casar sí muy nerviosos yeah. para mi gusto eh, la idea de de esta última crianza que hicimos por durante esos años era para al término del la meta era cazar un macho de Moctezuma adulto y liberarlo, liberarlo lejos de la civilización. Y nuestra creencia era que, pues como ya había convivido gran parte de su crecimiento con su congénero, pues iba a poder sobrevivir, ¿no? Dejo de saber cazar, buscar una pareja o algo. Okay, first of all, uh, the, the passage he enjoyed and they were great for hunting, but uh, he, he didn't like that he, they were nervous uh much more nervous than than, uh, than an imprint or or the the other method he used and um and uh that he was saying that in the late years he he would uh get those birds uh done like that and uh trained um and his main goal was to hunt one male of uh, montezuma quail and then let them go right after so just just do do it for the fun of it you know get catch one quail and then he'll Uh, let them go free and uh, his hopes were that they were they would um, I mean be successful in, in the wild so it was like a like a like a hobby uh, and a part-time thing because he would be flying something else and uh, but he, he'll do it when when the the time was right you know from cuando es mayo a 
¿Cuándo lo hacías? ¿En de mayo de... hasta octubre. May, the, the, in the month of May, he will start doing it. And then... Primer semana de mayo. The, yeah, the, the first week of May. And uh, he would cut them loose in, uh, in the uh, early October, right after the, his first catch or so on. So it was just for the fun of it. Well, that's... <laughs> As I've, I've tried a couple of passage coops and so far really haven't been successful with them. And I think that the majority of people that, that do try with them, you know, they, unless you're just lucky enough to get that one, you know, <laughs> lower percentage type of bird that, um, you know, just is, is okay for falconry. Passage coops are, are one of the hardest birds you can definitely fly. And I don't know if you would agree with that or, or not, but But uh, I'm I'm glad that um, that that that's that's the first that I've I've heard about. I mean, I, you hear about people tame hacking all the time, you know, and things like that. But I've not ever heard of anybody uh, climbing up and down a tree to put a, a chick back in the nest multiple times. I mean, how many times? Uh, how many times a day were you were you doing that? Eh, bueno, primero dice que probó los coopers pasajeros y que no le fue muy bien. Eh, y que, bueno, él, él ha, ha platicado con, con muchos halconeros y que a, a menos que seas uno de esos eh, suertudos que les va muy bien con el pasajero, eh, pues puedes tener como éxito, ¿no? Que, y, y quisiera escuchar esa opinión de cómo ves ese tipo de pájaros. Y después, que también no ha... O sea, he escuchado de mucha, muchas personas que han hecho la crianza con, eh, campestre controlada, pero nadie, eh, o es la primera vez que escucha que alguien sube y baja del nido a los, a los pájaros regularmente para pues, tenerlos conviviendo contigo claro. y con los papás y que cuántas veces te subiste y te bajaste del árbol para, para hacerlo, ¿no? A lo mejor no eras tú o era alguien, alguien pero sí. eh, o sea, en, en, ese, en ese periodo de, de mayo a octubre, ¿cuántas veces calculas que, que subiste y bajaste al pollito de, claro. de, del nido? Eh, pues el, con el pasajero hubo capturas, hubo cacería, pero lo mismo nerviosismo, irlo a, a corretear cuando llevaba en mano una presa pequeña esperar a que estuviera otra vez en peso para que bajara eso fue lo que no me, no me llenó la verdad, sí cazábamos bastante duré un buen rato con él, pero es, es pérdida de tiempo después de, de la cacería era lo que no me yeah, he totally agrees on, on, the, on the passage bird uh, part because even though he was successful and he would take uh, the query and on a regular basis uh, it was kind of frustrating at times because of um, they will like take the, 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 the food and like eat somewhere else and he'll have to wait like everybody everybody does you know when they the bird takes the the, the, the food with them and uh, and uh, yeah they're much more nervous and and wary and uh, so even I mean he enjoyed it but he didn't like the nervousness and the whole uh, like uh, scary scared the bird situation y después de lo de los pollitos. Lo de los pollitos. Eh, esa crianza la hacemos durante 43, 45 días, eh, subiéndonos aproximadamente la mitad, 20 veces. Eh, 20 días, tal vez dos veces al día. La verdad es que no lo hacía yo, lo hacía, lo hacía mi buen amigo Ricardo Sapien, que es mi mano derecha de hace muchos años. Eh, él es el que... Tenemos ese nido y todos los años lo vamos a ver, desde muchos años. Sigue la pareja ahí y la verdad es que se disfruta mucho. Tenemos cerca de unos 30 gigas de, de memoria, porque todavía le ponemos una cámara subjetiva en una rama y estamos viendo el proceso, ¿no? Tenemos marcado nuestro pollito y sabemos a qué tanta cantidad de comida le dio la madre allá arriba también, ¿no? Entonces, en esos 40 días, o sea, lo haces por 40 y tantos días. 40 y tantos días porque ya empieza a ser ramero Ajá. y a veces... No trae el hambre suficiente para poderlo bajar y entonces okay. es un temita ahí. Ya entonces, el tema de ya de bajarlo del, del, de la rama ya a esa edad. Cada dos días te subes, o sea, más no, o menos. Diario es el ah, manejo. ¿Diario dos veces? Dos veces el manejo. Ok, so, uh, he said that uh, he, most of the time he was not climbing the tree. It was his good friend Ricardo, who's his uh, right hand in, in, in his, uh, this endeavor, so... Um, I don't know that he, he he might be a GI Joe or something, and but, <laughs> but uh, it was Ricardo uh, that that was climbing the tree, and he he would do it twice a day uh, for around 43 days because that's when they start uh, becoming branchers, and in that time uh, they 
uh, that's a, that's the correct time to get them down because uh, otherwise it would be super hard to get them, you know, when they're flying off and they won't have uh, control over what they're eating. And so that's that's when they starting to do the, the actual training. And um, they well, they, she, he, he when he does that or they do that, um, they install a camera camera there and they have like a quantos gigas. 30 gigas de like, like 30 giga, uh, gigabytes uh, of, uh, you know, footage mm -hmm. uh, while they're doing it because they get to see uh, the mother feeding the chicks. And so they, they can like kind of uh, uh, be accurate in, in, the, in the feeding process and, and all. And um, yeah, they, they, they've been visiting that particular nest for many years now and um, they do it every Every, every, even I mean every time and so often and um, when they uh, choose a chick they they mark him ¿Cómo lo marcan? Eh, con una tintura en el, en la, en el plumón so they use some kind of ink in their like uh, inner coat you know the, uh -huh. the, the, sure. the, I don't know how you call downy. it downy yeah, yeah. and uh, they mark the, that particular chick and they monitor it with a camera and then Ricardo will climb, climb Inclusive le poníamos comida a la madre, o sea, pajaritos abiertos, para que ella llegara, no cazara, llegara, y de ese mismo lo agarraba y llegaba al okay. nido. They, they would even bring uh, food for the, for the adults to feed the chicks, you know, and uh, make sure they, they will be well fed at that time. So they will kind of help uh, the parents uh, feed the, the chicks. <laughs> ¿Qué le daban? Pajaritos. Pajaritos. Yeah, like uh, sparrows, and they, they will give uh, give them a gift uh, to the mother, so they would uh, be fed properly. Wow, that's yeah. that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Sweet. That's that's very interesting, though. That's the first I've ever heard of anything. I mean, I don't know if people have been doing that or not, but that's the first I've heard of people going to that to that many links for especially for like a Cooper's Hawk <laughs> but uh sí, que eso es demasiado yeah. trabajo y que es la primera vez que escucha que alguien hace una una situación así como como ustedes no un, un trabajo arduo y, y, y cansado y pero que, que que es muy particular y que no no había escuchado que nadie más eh, lo haga sí la verdad que fueron cuatro temporadas que lo hicimos y la verdad que nos resultó muy 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 bien mm -hmm. They, they did it for four straight consecutivos sí. four straight years and and, um, and it really worked and they they, they uh, it was fruitful I'm yeah I, I would hope it would be esperaría después de todo trabajo que fuera redituable no siempre lo hacen en el mismo árbol no había había ocasiones que la subida era muy fácil pero había otras que tenía que llevar más equipo de lo necesario Ricardo y poquito más de valor. So it's it's not uh, in in particular uh, not every year they would nest in the same place so uh, they would choose different trees to to do it. It was the same area la la el mismo misma área o sea mismo a tres cuatro árboles uno okay, de otro a 30 metros. In the same area but they will choose different different uh, trees and sometimes sometimes it was very easy to climb up and down. And other times uh, it was much more difficult because they would need extra uh, equipment and ropes and mm. to get uh, well, their deed done. And um, <laughs> so, whenever you got the the bird as a brancher, then did you did you try and mimic um, for at least a little bit? Did you try and mimic the feeding schedule that the parents were doing, like for that you were watching from the the camera, or did you just go straight into training the bird your way, or? How did you do that after you, you got the bird as a brancher? Cuando ya era ramero y lo, y lo tomaban, todavía eh, usabas todo lo que habías visto de, de, de los horarios de, de la mamá para, o sea, para llenarles el buche y demás. O ya no, empezarías ya, ya el manejo normal. Se, se empieza de, el manejo ya normal. Una vez que ya lo tienes abajo, ya empiezas mm -hmm. normal con no, tu... when, when they get him off as a brancher, they will start off just reg, uh, like a regular training. Yep. Uh, non, they won't not mimic uh, the, the, gotcha. the okay. schedules or anything. Gotcha. I didn't know if there was anything else in, in particular you were doing or if you were just starting uh, like, you know, how you would want to train then. So, well, it makes sense. And then, I mean, how about how long then was it before you were flying game after you got them at, and as a brancher? 
that time? Like, how many weeks was it on average, do you think? Uh, después de eso, ¿cuánto tiempo te tardaba en, en casar? O sea, de, 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 no, estamos hablando que lo bajábamos al, al día 50, más o menos, unos 15 días. Estás casando después del día 60, okay. ya que está seco de pluma. So, after that, uh, it wouldn't take that long, probably uh, a fortnight, and uh, they'll be hunting. Uh, uh, he says that by day 60, they'll, they'll be successful at, at hunting. So, 15 days after the, the whole brancher thing. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's very cool. Vamos a volver a intentarlo pronto. He says he's gonna, he's gonna do it again soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think that there would probably be a lot of people very interested in your exact method and how you do that if you ever decided you wanted to write, you know, an article or write something about that. I think there would be a lot of people that would be interested to find out even more details than what we're talking about on this podcast. Sí, But, uh, piensa que va a haber mucha gente interesada y que valdría la pena que escribieras algo eh, al respecto sí. porque el método eh, puede tener mucho interés eh, en, en las personas que escuchan el podcast y que valdría muchísimo la pena que pudieras pues, tenemos no sé, por ahí relatar. algo plasmado con Ricardo eh, de hecho eso fue lo con el motivo que lo hicimos no o sea los primeros años fue para nosotros después ya tenemos evidencia eh, fotográfica y en video y ya nada más nos falta pues poner eh, sobre el, el papel, ¿no? El resto. Yeah, there, there's there's plans plans to do it and um and it's, it was a, one of the main reasons they wanted to do it because they and that's why they documented it. They have the like photographic evidence and videographic evidence and um they have thought about it and they just need to start writing it and yeah and then put it in paper. I'm sure Eduardo would love to translate it for you. I mean, he would, he would write it for you. He would, he would translate it to English for you. Uh, I'm volunteering Eduardo, Eduardo to do that for you. Que yo te lo voy a traducir con mucho gusto. Que está seguro que me voy a, que voy a ser voluntario. Voluntariamente a fuerzas. Ahora te va a tocar volarlo a ti. Para que conozcas un super He says that uh, uh, I, I'm going to be flying that one. Oh, well, there, there you go. There you go. And that's, that's, the, uh, that's the exchange of service fee. You know, he, he gets to fly the bird in exchange for translating your article for you. There you go. Esa plática ya la habíamos tenido con Eduardo y yo le yeah. recomendaba, ¿sabes qué? Antes de volar un azor, vuela un gavilán para que veas la diferencia en cuanto tengas el azor y, y todo se te va a hacer más fácil aparte, ¿no? Yeah, when we started with the Gauss Hooks, we, we had that chat, him and I, and... Uh, He was saying, yeah, yeah, you, you should fly a Cooper's hook before you fly a, a, a Gauss hook and you, you will know what's going on and uh, flying a Gauss hook will be so easy after that. And, um, and, but I, yeah, I never tried it, but we did <laughs> have that uh, talk and, uh, and he was very kind to offer me one yeah. of those words. But, uh, well, you didn't listen to him then either, so it's all, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it, sounded, it was tempting, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, no, that's uh, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That's that's great stuff, though. I'm um, well. I look forward to to reading that. I, you know, like whenever uh, the time comes, that would be great. And and you've done it as uh, you've done it uh, for as many years as I think anybody would probably, you know, commit. Yeah, commit. I mean that you've done it a lot. So and you've repeated the method over and over again to show that it works. So. You know, dice que le encantaría leerlo el artículo que, sí, que claro. cuando en, en cuanto lo tengas yeah. que, que se lo compartamos por favor y que no, o sea, que, igual que... invitado cuando estemos haciendo esto ah. también con mucho gusto tal vez yeah. el año que entra vamos a well a he says that probably uh, well, that you're always welcome to come and and see uh, see it for yourself and uh, um, whenever you want to I mean when they're doing it and um, Uh, and yeah, that he he definitely will try and writing it and sharing with others uh, what his uh, experiences are with this method that he uh, has been successful with. Y me decía también que 
que, o sea, que, que ya está muy probado para ti y que valdría la pena que compartieras esa experiencia porque pues, lo has hecho consecutivamente y, y a través del tiempo varias veces y, y ya lo has probado como, claro. como sí. algo que funciona. Funciona ¿no? y funciona bien. Uh -huh. Yeah, he says it works and it works fine. <laughs> I, I, I believe you. I mean, if you, uh, if you have been doing it this long and you have evidence and everything else, then there's no reason not to believe you but uh mm -hmm. but yeah i mean um this would be a good time to go ahead and uh get at least one or two uh good stories you know some of your favorite hunting uh hunting stories or experiences or um maybe some uh, stories about your favorite birds that you've flown or whichever you would prefer but sí que bueno que sería un momento ideal ahorita para hablar de historias de de cetrería tuyas que hayas disfrutado que tengas particularmente en la memoria y que, que te gustaría relatar eh, con no solo con los cupres pero con cualquier pájaro o tus pájaros preferidos o sea que hablaras a detalle de, de, de tu cetrería y de historias o lances que hayan sido memorables para ti pues precisamente el, el, la semana pasada fue un día de estos eh, donde estaba yo cazando codones moctezuma eh, a muestra de los perros se va en las hortas de una parvada de Moctezumas, lo pierdo de vista tal vez a unos 400 metros y de repente el, el equipo de telemetría de GPS se muere, ¿no? Uh, yeah, since we're talking about this, this, this happened just last week and uh, he, was, he was hunting for Marin's quail or Montezuma quail uh, with his uh, male goshawk uh, last week and... Um, The dogs pointed some some quail, and right after uh, a long slip, probably 400 meters away, uh, his um, GPS signal died. And uh, ¿qué pasó después? <laughs> Pierdo la señal una hora. Yo pienso que es mi equipo telefónico. Eh, desinstalo la aplicación, la vuelvo a instalar, y no me daba. No me daba, no me daba. So right after he he lost that signal, it, he it was dead for like an hour. And uh, he thought it was a, a, a phone phone issue, you know, and he un, un, uninstalled the, the app and reinstalled it and he had no uh, uh, signal or anything going on. And Cuando retoma la señal estaba a 2,900 y pico de pies eh, el ave de donde yo estaba. Entonces me acerco ya en la camioneta y cada vez me daba un poquito mejor la señal hasta que me metió una charca. Okay. Once it, it got back and uh, he got up some signal or the, some like you know beeps from the, the transmitter. Uh, it was like 2900 pies, 2000 like 1 km like away or 2900 feet away from him and he was uh, at that time uh, in the car trying to get what uh for the, to where the, the bird was and uh it was in a uh body of water terminó el lance en una charca en un pantano y tenía un macho de pato golondrino en sus garras de adentro del agua tenían tal vez una hora con él en las las garras so uh this uh, he found his bird uh, with a with a duck in in this swamp uh a pintail duck Um, the Drake uh, and he they would be there I mean, when he estimates that he they were there for like an hour and he was just standing there with a the duck in, in, in his, in his uh, claws and uh, yeah uh, like an hour later una, una hora después, no? una hora después. Yeah. so it started with with a quail slip and but he found the the, the bird with a pintail Drake <laughs> in his uh, grasp and the In, inside a swamp, then that's probably why the the, the signal was because the water. Yeah, because of the water. Y después, pues el pájaro estaba al borde de la hipotermia del tanto tiempo en el agua fría. <laughs> yeah, the, the the bird was super cold because he was soaking wet, and um, uh, he basically picked him up and said, "Te lo llevaste, ¿qué? Me lo llevé los, con la secadora. Los, los... Yeah, he he picked it up and then he. <laughs> Like started drying the bird and the, it was yeah ya, ya estaba oscuro ya era ya estaba oscuro it was it was starting to get dark because he flies at in the afternoon and um, yeah so he 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 was uh, yeah getting his bird dry and 
and was happy with his with his pin de, pintail duck. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, and it makes you wonder sometimes the uh, some of those little extra flights or parts of flights that that we miss. I guess we'll always be kind of um, cursed with not knowing if those were some of the best flights that we would have possibly seen, or you know, if if it's just you never know. I guess. Sí, te hace imaginarte, o sea, que en esos lances que no no tuviste la la facilidad de, de apreciar y, de, y de, de ver de qué tan bueno o malo fue en la cacería, pero pues que lo deja la, la imaginación, ¿no? Eso que, es. Que en realidad... O sea, no. Es una hora de, de la mente volar, ¿no? Eso es lo que más te, sí. te queda. Sí. Yeah. He says that exactly uh, he agrees with it, that, 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 um, that, um, that feeling when, when you're uh, wondering what's, what's going on with your bird and... Uh, Uh, it's always kind of like, uh, you know, two blade thing, you know, it's, 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 it, you enjoy it once you yeah. find the bird, but then Dub you, double edged sword. Yeah. yeah double edged sword. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that's, that's yep. what, exactly. Mm -hmm. Because once you find it, you, you, you enjoy it and you're happy. Yeah. But if not, uh, well, you're just worried and you're like, damn it, I missed it. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's when you find it. But if not, you're just worried. And sure. so. Uh, me imagino que para ti, o sea, la cetería es, es ese desamor y ese, esa, esa, esa sensación de, de pues, siempre estar al pendiente del pájaro, ¿no? Claro, y, eh, siempre saber dónde está el hombre. Yeah, I mean, this is memorable because he, uh, in, in Falconry, uh, really values this um, uh, thing that whenever something doesn't go your way or, uh, or as you were, you were planned, it was planned, I mean, um, It, it's it's always good to you know be chill about it and uh, be patient and, and and have that uh, in mind, uh, especially when uh, things go wrong. You know, mm -hmm. sure. Well, and I guess uh, go ahead and and um, go ahead and tell us then what your favorite bird has been. Like what what's been the favorite bird that you've flown and, and of any species? ¿Cuál ha sido tu pájaro favorito? O sea, de cualquier especie. Si puedes decir hasta un nombre o demás, o a lo mejor puedes... Uh, he can name Tengo various. dos, okay, dos favoritos, two. uno por, por cada técnica. Yo creo que el bajo vuelo, sin duda, es un azor. Y en el alto vuelo, un macho de gerifalte por peregrino que volé. So, Entonces, para mí son... He, he has enjoyed... Uh, I mean, his favorite birds are definitely... Uh, in short wings, uh, a male goshawk. Uh, and... Um, In long wings, he flew a... ¿Qué era? Gerifalte por... Por peregrino. A deer peregrine that he really, really enjoyed. And uh, that was a, a particular bird. He, that hybrid was, was excellent and he really enjoyed it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what, uh, I mean, uh, out of those two birds, I mean, what, what were the, the qualities of those two birds that, that made them your, your favorites to fly? Those particular two birds. Okay. ¿Por cuáles eran las cualidades que te gustaban de esos dos pájaros en particular? El macho de Azor, las codornices Moctezuma, que es la que más me gusta cazar a mí, la que tengo en mi zona, eh, es un lance espectacular, la verdad. O sea, la, me gusta mucho buscar terrenos limpios a, con amplitud para yo ver siempre toda la persecución. So in the in the in the male uh, tier, I mean the the Gosco Tearsil, he really enjoys uh, the the the, the Merns quail slips and um, He tries uh, to find places where, where he can enjoy that, that, that chase, you know, and, and um, he, he really chooses some open spaces where there's quail to be hunted. And uh, he, he where, whatever, I mean, in these places we, where he can actually see the whole flight and uh, enjoy that. So that's, that's, that's his thing with the Tears of Goshawk. And. El, el híbrido por la forma en subir. O sea, era muy particular su forma de tomar techo tan rápido y con el clima que fuera. And the deer peregrine uh, hybrid uh, he enjoyed the most because of, uh, of the way he would climb up and it didn't matter if it was cold or hot or whatever. He, the, that bird would just, you know, gain altitude and climb and have great la, roofs. La valentía de él también. And o sea, was, era un pájaro que volaba en... 600 gramos y los patos golondrinos los 
Y los Mexican Duke los hacía pomada. And um, he also uh, says that uh, he standed out because he was super uh, valiant and uh, uh, brave uh, uh, bird because he was only 600 grams uh, flight weight and uh, he would kill big ducks like nothing, like big, uh, we have our Mexican ducks, they're big ducks, uh, as the one we, we caught earlier, and um, Drake, Pintail, uh, will be hunted easily, uh, and no problem with that bird. It's awesome, mm -hmm. awesome. Well, that's, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm glad that we had this conversation. There's a, a very, I don't know, a very large amount of cool stuff that I think that came of it, but I want to go ahead and, and end on, um, the same note that we've been, or I should say the same note that I've been ending on here lately. And, and just want to ask you, um, you know, what particular uh, piece of advice or what, what's the, the best piece of knowledge that you've gained in your time in falconry that you think would be worth passing on to aspiring falconers or, you know, younger generations or, or pretty much anybody in the sport. Sí, bueno, que, que hemos hablado de cosas muy fregonas eh, y que seguramente hay muchas más que podríamos cubrir y, y, y mencionar, pero va, vamos uh, ya como a darle término. Y, pero que, quisiera saber, John, cuál sería un, una una recomendación o, o un pedazo de, de, de conocimiento que te gustaría compartir y, 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 y pues pasar hacia adelante eh, eh, so, eh, bueno respecto a tu cetrería eh, en tu experiencia no hacia gente que pues pudiera necesitar algún consejo o... mi consejo es si vas a hacerte de una verrapaz o si ya la tienes dedicarle todo el tiempo que sea posible y hacerte del ave o si ya la tienes específica tu zona de vuelo, ¿no? O sea, lo que te cueste menos trabajo llegar y disfrutarlo, ¿no? O sea, well, ¿por qué hacerte all, de un ave que no, sí. no podrías disfrutar en una zona? Well, first of all, uh, first of all, uh, he thinks uh, a very good piece of advice is, is to, whenever you're going to commit in, uh, into flying any, any bird, Just make sure you have the time for it and uh, give him, uh, you know, the best of your time and, and, and your effort uh, in, in training and flying and uh, to choose wisely what, what you're going to fly, you know, because you have to be um, aware that uh, you cannot fly anything anywhere and uh, you have to be um, smart about it and choose wisely to hunt whatever you have. Uh, available to hunt and a bird should be suitable for that uh, matter uh, for for your your falconry so uh, that, that I mean it sounds obvious but it not it's not always like that you know sure sure yeah, and we've talked about that before plenty of times and uh, yeah it's another one of those uh, another one of those points that I don't think you can ever hammer home too often. I mean, we all get tempted to fly something that we think is, you know, quote unquote, like sexier or something. And, but it really isn't the best uh, tool for the job, but, uh, but no, that's perfect. I think that's a perfect note to end on. And like I said, I, uh, thank you for your time and, um, thanks for letting me watch your, your, uh, your bird, uh, take a duck today. And, you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing all the, uh, details, um, in this conversation and, And, um, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm hope that, uh, I am able to come down and check that out. The Cooper's Hawk thing with you sometime. And, um, I look forward to, to reading about it. Y muchas gracias por, por haber dejado ver que haya que, como tu, tu cacería de hoy. O sea, que, 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 le hayan, que le hayamos podido compartir y disfrutar juntos. Eh, y que le encantaría muchísimo venir a... a a ver lo del tema del Coopers, pero le gustaría más leer al, al respecto. Perfecto, lo vamos a, lo vamos a, a redactar y al contrario, gracias a ustedes por la invitación, la verdad que fue una mañana muy, muy llena de lances, vimos de, de todo desde temprano y pues me tocó cazar, que, que fue muy bueno. Uh, he, he would like to thank you uh, for, the, for the invitation into, into your podcast and and uh, and the invitation uh, you know in, in the ranch at, uh, to go hunting and and we had a, a really good time with the, the 
other birds that we saw and uh, he had the the um, a, a successful hunt today and he's happy about it yeah of course well be sure to be sure to tell him that he's had one of the few this week you know mm -hmm. as far as uh, what we've seen uh, one last final dig at you there eduardo <laughs> but uh but uh thanks again so much to you as well my friend i'm i'm very thankful that you were here to help me with this and um, i would probably wouldn't have been able to do it without you so thank my you. pleasure me dijo que que, del, que tú eres de los pocos que ha casado y que que, que, que te lo diga por favor porque entonces eh. es un pedradón para mí <risa> no, ha estado buena la verdad que se prestó todo el, el entorno gracias por todo a friend as well. perfect perfect well and and you'll have your uh, your opportunity in the spotlight tomorrow i'm sure or sometime over the weekend but uh great guys let's go have a beer and uh let's uh yeah let's just end it on this note i think it's great salud perfect thank sí. you gracias saludos gracias por todo saludos thank you <laughs> <laughs>